I love me an old school strong guy from the Bible. That's what I love. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be the worst. <laughs> Notice okay. that Gunner caught that very cleanly. We'll see if he catches it cleanly from the other corner. Yeah, he like drops every ball from Jared. <laughs> oh, I think Baylor should be the starter. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. The pride of Bellevue, Washington, and Newport High School BYU head coach, Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Mark, Washington's a wonderful spot, right? Hey, I'm telling you what, just looking at you guys, I can see the glow in your eyes, the sparkle in your <laughs> face. It's March, boys. You can tell. It's just looking at you. It is it's March. March. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And uh, I'm going to miss sort of the, the being in the Orleans this year, but there's no fans. It's going to be different. Everyone's been playing this way, Mark. But um, what is the plan for your team in terms of traveling to Vegas for the tournament? Yeah, we're, we're going to go in Sunday night as late as we can and and uh, just keep our trip as short as possible, uh, you know, hopefully playing two games uh, and just go um, – just get in and, and hopefully win and get out. Coach, I fulfilled my Gene Hackman role from Hoosiers. I uh, measured the rims. They're at precisely 10 feet. <laughs> the free throw line is at 15 feet. Uh, if you recognize, those are the exact dynamics that you practice on every day. So if you need me to walk through any of the other court measurements with you when you get down here, I'm happy to do that. I'll tell you guys, it's interesting. So uh, it is maybe interesting and it may not, but – um, way more inter- interesting to us than, than the 10-foot the measurement. The lighting in the gyms is always uh, something that I'm really sensitive to. Sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll, when we travel uh, on the road, we'll always go to the gym the night before a la Coach Rose. Uh, that was kind of his deal. We'll go smell the gym, and um, guys will shoot for a little while, and then we'll come back in the morning for shoot-around. And, and I'm not worried about anything when we walk in that gym other than that we have all the game lights on uh, because I think the lighting is something that affects guys a lot. And so uh, that's what will be sensitive. Uh, Spence, I need you to make sure that we get in there Monday morning. That the lights are exactly game lights. Let, let's I'm, talk- on it. I'm on it right now. Yeah, and, and let's talk about something that um, you do that's unique in practice that we've been privy to. Um, which is, and are you still doing it this year? Because I haven't been to a practice here, where you want to focus on free throw shooting and, and you have complete silence. Are you still doing that? Yeah, we do that every shoot around. Uh, so day of game, every time we get in the gym in the morning, uh, at the end of our shoot around, we go through the same thing every single. You know, we're very regimented, and we'll do five minutes of free throw shooting at both sides, and um, we're pretty uh, demanding that there is not a sound in the entire gym. We'll ask all the media people, concessions people, everybody. Uh, our, our staff does a great job of making everybody aware of that request that it's absolutely silent. And on the rare occasion where there's some speaking high up in the rafters, I kind of lose my mind. And then there's no silence in the gym for a second. That, that didn't um, happen last year, did it? <laughs> <laughs> we usually have one time a season and then, and then, it, then it works out the rest of the way. But uh, it just is it's something that we think is really sacred to our preparation. And um, it might be the only time – in my guys' lives, their 24-7 life, it might be the only time where, where they're just sitting in complete silence uh, with the exception of a ball and uh, hearing it go through the net and bouncing on the floor and kind of thinking about the game. So it's something we take really seriously. Oh, we know firsthand. Coach, 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been an unbelievable ride uh, for BYU basketball this season, to say the least. I mean, it's, it's been so much fun to watch what you've been able to cobble together after losing so much talent last year. And now you're back in a position where you're going to make the NCAA tournament. It's just a matter of what your seeding is and what your matchup is right now uh, based on these uh, final few games. But I know a lot of attention, understandably, has been put on traveling and safety and making sure that you get those seven negative tests in a row. So what's the plan for BYU basketball in that regard to make sure you get down to Vegas, take care of business, and then get to Indianapolis all ready to go? Yeah, so we've reduced our travel party significantly. Uh, Normally when we get to the postseason, you guys know me, I'm trying to bring everybody on the plane, right? And you're on the plane and you're on the plane. And and (laughs) unfortunately, uh, because of COVID, we've had to shut that down. So now it's we're down to bare bones. I usually like to get to Vegas a day or two early um, so that the guys can kind of get their feet under them. We're not doing that. We're going to come just uh, literally just the night before the semifinal game. Um, and we're going to, uh, you know, uh, we usually like to try and get out and about. We're doing none of that um, because it is such a priority. Uh, you know, along with that, we had a, a huge, um, a, very, a very focused meeting uh, this Monday night on our COVID protocols, went over them again with our guys and urged them to take the utmost care. And those COVID protocols include, uh, you know, uh, us coaches being incredibly careful when we leave the office at our home. So Leanne is quarantined me in the basement. Uh, and, and that's just how we're living right now, trying to make sure that we're safe to get to these games. Hey, whatever it takes, right? Do you need to start doing those seven negative tests? Like, you have to have seven negative tests before you go to Indy. Is that something you're starting today or tomorrow? Yeah, so we're not. We're, we're testing three times PCR this week. And then our, our seven days of testing. So we, we test as soon as we get down there Sunday. And those th- that testing will continue all the way from Sunday to Sunday to Selection Sunday. And so it'll be every day once we, once we, get, to, uh, once we get to Vegas. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, we were just talking about where you're going to be on that seed line. That's always a hot topic and a fun debate for national analysts to have. And right now it feels like the consensus is BYU is about a seven seed, uh, has a chance to maybe be a six or even a five if you win the tournament down here in Las Vegas. Uh, what's the ideal positioning for you, coach? Uh, what, what do you think is realistic moving forward on that seed line? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, I think right now in Lenardi's S-curve, we're the first seven, uh, the first seven seed. So, you know, a, a lot of things are going to shake out. Uh, you know, everyone's going to their conference tournaments and, and some guys just finishing conference play here in the next few days. So it'll all kind of shake out. I, I think um, clearly, you know, uh, you want to have the highest seed you can if you can. And then once you get there, then actually probably more important than seeds is matchups matchups are so incredibly important and and that's what's revealed on selection sunday uh you know our our number one goal is to be in this tournament and and um and then number two is just to kind of reach for the highest seed you can and then it's then let's go you know um it's interesting there's there's some things out of play like being placed in a region that's familiar to you now it doesn't matter because we're all in the same region we're all in indianapolis um uh, and so some of those things are taken out of play. Uh, the schedule's a little bit different in terms of, you know, the first four is now back-to-back with with the first weekend, and uh, there's less, less travel. Everybody's traveling exactly the same. And so uh, right now, that's it. The focus is really just, hey, let's make sure we're in. 
Let's make sure we get as high a seed as we can. Those things matter, of course. And then the matchups are, are what we're going to be really, really interested in seeing. Last year, you were a dark horse for a lot of people to make a run because you had Yoli Childs on the inside and you had the number one three-point shooting team in the country. Certainly the identity is different this year, which is a credit to you and your coaching staff that you aren't just sticking with the same formula. It's a different business model this year. Defensively, this is the best BYU team since 08. So do you feel like that can keep you in any game and give you a shot at least? I think our defense gives us a lot of confidence. Um, you know, last year it was it felt like, you know, I mean, last year we talked about all year long. It was like, how are we going to grab a rebound? And our team actually functioned really, really solid on the glass, but it was something we were always nervous about. Um, you know, this year we feel like we can go get stops. You know, this is actually this is actually uh, the the most balanced team maybe I've ever been associated with. I think we're give or take a spot twenty six nationally on defense, and we're twenty nationally on offense. Um, we're just a little bit better offensively and defensively. But the fact that we're the fact that we're locked in um, with both of those, you know, on both sides of the ball, we're we're clearly a top thirty team in the country. Uh, I think that's a real strength of this team, and I think it gives us a ton of confidence. Um, I think it means that we can weather uh, um, a lot of different things going sideways in the course of a game. You know, if we don't make shots, hey, we feel like we're really, really solid on defense, man. We can stay in a game, and and if we're facing a team that's um, an incredibly, incredibly talented uh, offensive team, we feel like we can hold them a little bit, and we can match them uh, on the offensive end. So. I think gives us a ton of, of confidence, not just the balance between offense and defense, but also the depth, also different guys raising up uh, at different times to make plays. I think we have a lot of confidence that we can manage a lot of different situations, which is what you face in very quick order in the NCAA tournament. Coach, it feels and looks like BYU collectively is playing their best basketball as a team right now. It's been uh, a really successful run through February. The metrics have all taken astronomical jumps in the right direction. But you know this team and your players and the field better than anybody. You're with them every day. So how would you analyze the idea that your team is playing the, its best basketball of the season right now? I think guys are getting more comfortable um, with each other. You know, we, we talked about it early in the season. When you, when you kind of try and manage a deep roster, it just the learning curve is longer. You don't get as many practice reps together. Uh, you got changing situations in games. Um, you know, it, it just takes longer for that kind of – for that stew to work. And, and uh, I think we all feel confident we're in a good place. Now, none of that matters now, right? Now it's, it's every game is an elimination game. And um, so we just have to go play our best basketball. I think our guys are really focused on that. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't control everything once you get into postseason. But what you can control is putting your best product on the court. And 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 in doing that, the most important thing for us is actually not our depth, and it's it's not it's not us playing our ba- best basketball right now. It's us worrying about the most important things, and we've been able to do that. And so hopefully. You know, we'll roll into this this weekend uh, continuing uh, to be incredibly focused on the things that are the most important. And uh, if we do, we're going to give ourselves the best chance to have success. And that's what you want in the postseason. When you got the job soon after, you and I sat down and you said, I want to make sure that we can tell our guys stories. And I feel like Deep Blue has done a really nice job of that. Gideon George has, of course, exploded. And then ESPN.com jumps on that. So are you pleased with how his story has been able to be told nationally? 
Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? So, I, you know, I mentioned you guys that, uh, you know, we actually uh, received uh, some inquiries from the Nigerian uh, national team now that, that is reaching out to Gideon. And so uh, it, it just is, it is, it is, it is an unbelievable service that, that, that you and Spence provide and that Greg does and that BYU TV does to tell our guys story. Um, it doesn't just uh, bring us together with our fan base and let us feel like we're all doing this together, but it also uh, gives these guys exposure, and that's kind of the world. I mean, that's the reach of BYU TV, right, and the BYU brand. It, it, it lets the world know about these young men and the extraordinary uh, things that they're trying to accomplish and, the, and the, the goals that they have and the work that they're putting in. And so it's just beautiful. And, and Gideon's just been one example. The feedback we've got on every single one of these deep loses has been so incredible. You know, just Alex Marcello's story recently is, um, you know, I've had people from all over the country kind of reach out and just uh, just how it speaks to them. And then it obviously speaks to recruits and it speaks to parents of recruits. And and um, so it's, it's just a it's a real gift that we have at BYU not just to have access to BYU TV and, and the unique thing that it is for a university, but also in generally, and I'm a stroke you guys right now, and, you know, I, I know you'll like it, but to have such incredible storytellers, right? And that's what we have in Jeremy and Spence and, and Greg and the whole deep blue crew and all the BYU TV. It's, 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 you can take in a five minute segment and just key into like the heart of one aspect of, of one of these young men's lives, and it's pretty cool. What's your Venmo, Coach. Mark? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, we should commend you on uh, everything that, that you're doing as well. And uh, I know that sometimes things like uh, your work and Leanne's work with the Simmons Center for Cancer Research get lost underneath the bright lights of what's happening on you know, national television with basketball. But it's, it's been an unbelievable effort on so many accounts. And so we thank you as well for your effort there. And I know what it means to my family and to the BYU basketball family in that regard. Well, hey, listen, we're in this together, man. This doesn't work without you guys. It doesn't work without me. It doesn't work without these players. And that's what makes BYU basketball so extraordinary is that we're all in this fight together. It's great. Well, Mark, congratulations on the season so far. A lot of work to be done. We're excited about the two tournaments you're going to play in here. And uh, stay COVID-free. Get to Vegas. Let's win some games. Let's bring home a trophy. Let's go to Indy. This sounds like a fun couple of weeks here. Let's go. Hey, can I can I ask you guys for one uh, really personal indulgence? Sure. You bet. It's my daughter's birthday. She's turning 18 today. She's what, amazing. What, what's your daughter's name again, for those that don't know? Avery. Happy so what I'd like birthday, to do today, Avery. Is she the, is she the uh, tennis player? She's a tennis player, big-time tennis player. So if you guys don't mind, I'd like to sing to her. Do we have 10 seconds to do that? Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Avery. Happy birthday to you. Let's go. Yeah. Happy birthday, Avery. You started a little high, but it's all good. You reached it. No, it sounded great. It sounded great. Happy birthday, Avery. Coach, I'm working on the lights for you bad down here as well, so we'll take care of that. Hey, so great for you guys. Let's go. Let's have a great month. Let's go is right. Mark, we appreciate the time. Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Listen, Mark's on a singing kick because <laughs> Tuesday at the Pope Show, he sang a couple of times, and then he's singing today. Yeah, House Upon the Rock. 
Yeah, there was another one too, right? Yeah. Oh man, a lot, a lot of singing going on here. Oh goodness. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's time for our St. Mary's Prop Picks recap presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Without making a pick, I headed into Friday with a 2-0 lead. So, Jeremy, you obviously needed a big weekend, and it started with this. At which point will St. Mary's score its 25th point closest to the time? Nobody was close in this. I award you no points. Uh, but Tyler gets it because he was closer than me on this. <laughs> Neither of us had the second half. And Tyler said Who, two minutes. Who's going to pick the second half, left. even against St. Mary's? Come on. Number two. So Ty, Ty gets AKU. Number right. two. Which BYU player will make BYU's third three-point shot? It was Connor Harding. I had uh, Caleb Bloner. Tyler had Spencer Johnson. So we both missed. No points. So uh, I've officially lost. I maintain the 3-0 lead. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, the last one, which of the three BYU seniors will shoot the highest field goal percentage? No points here either as Brandon Averitt's 44% led the seniors. Tyler picked Alex Barcelo, 28.5%. You had Matt Harms. He couldn't miss Thursday. And then Saturday was different. Matt Harms did everything else right, right. but he struggled as well from the field early in yeah. the game. You know what I do at prop picks? I, it suck. We well, spin the I'm wheel. I'm so bad at these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spin the wheel later. Woo! It's better than spinning the will. The will? Yeah. Spinning the will, Smith. Time for Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta. Before we go down to Vegas for the WCC tournament, we're reliving the Top 5 regular season plays. Number 5, February 27th. BYU hosting uh, St. Mary's. Uh, yeah, that was Saturday. Matt Harms blocks Tommy Cousy on one end. Alex Barcelo gets the rebound, finds Trevor Nell for a three. On the other end, part of a five-block night for Matt Harms ties a career high. One of Trevor Nell's four threes, BYU wins 65-51. I love this sequence. Block the shot, shoot the three, and 2,000 fans go crazy, or however many were there. Number four, tied at 61 with just a minute remaining, BYU at Utah State. Monumental game for BYU's resume, Connor Harding. Makes a huge three on the assist from Caleb Lohner. BYU wins by three at the Spectrum in Logan. Number three, February 18th at Pacific. Caleb Lohner comes up with a steal, gives it to Brandon Averett, and then lobs it back for the alley-oop hammer before the end of the first half. It was a big night for Lohner. He had 19 career-high five threes. Woo. The flush. BYU won 80-52. And with just under a minute left, Alex Barcelo... Against San Francisco also last week from Connor Harding, his seventh three-pointer of the night with no misses. Seven for seven from three. BYU record. The Cougars take a 10-point lead with under a minute to play. He had 29 points a career high. On the top play of the regular season, December 18th at San Diego State, under a minute left. BYU by one. Brandon Avery gets the handoff from A.B. and shoots the three and seals the win. BYU ends up winning by 10. That's BYU's best win by net ranking. San Diego State, 26. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yesterday, BYU, of course, opening spring football practices. And the biggest storyline, because it's BYU, is who will win the quarterback position. I spoke with one of those guys battling for the starting position last night after practice. Baylor Romney 
on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Baylor, how would you summarize day one of spring football in 2021? It was fast. Um, we've been in the offense for three, four years now. A lot of guys know what they're doing. Um, so we were just hitting it. And it was fun just to get out there and compete right away instead of having to focus on learning plays. Um, so fast is how I would describe it. What did you do today without <laughs> divulging all of the secrets and details? <laughs> we practiced football, man. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to tell you there. Uh, no, I was just competing. Uh, I mean, a lot of competing against the defense and one-on-ones, a lot of competing in skelly drills and even team crossover, even though we were just in helmets. Um, and, you know, that's really what this program is about. It's just about competing. Which helmets were you in? The whites or the new Royal Blues or the new Navies? Just just the whites today. Hopefully the Royals tomorrow and the Navies Wednesday, but just the whites today. How do you feel about the new uniform combinations? What was your reaction when those uh, those came into the, the team room with, with Jaron and Tyler uh, with those on? Yeah, I mean, it they're awesome and it was hard to keep it a secret for a couple of weeks we had a, we had the photo shoot that they released all that stuff today a couple of weeks ago and it was hard to keep it a secret because you know those things really pull a lot of uniform combinations together for us and we're going to be looking good next year is all i'm saying i feel like there's a real uh solid core of the idea of look good feel good play good are you are you in on that like when when you are swagged at do you feel like you play better yeah, I mean, I try, I try to look as, as simple as possible, but um, there's something to it. I mean, when you're feeling good, when you when you feel that you look good, you, you're definitely going to perform at a higher level. Uh, Baylor, before we get into the quarterback competition, I do need to ask you about the BYU Sports Nation power couple conversation. I don't know if you're aware <laughs> of it, but you and your wife on uh, Valentine's Day or close to were voted as one of our top five power couples. What would you think of that honor? Uh, it's the first time hearing of it, but uh, I mean, that's you know, that's pretty um, pretty cool to even be mentioned in that category. Obviously, she's carrying her side of things more than I am, but um, yeah, <laughs> at least it's awesome. Look at you scoring points with your wife. Well done, Baylor Romney is on BYU Sports Nation. Day one of spring football in the books, and your head coach Kalani Satake has been very public about the competition for starting quarterbacks, saying that it is very much open. What's the dynamic in the quarterback's room like right now? Um, competitive. I mean, that's all I can say about it is we've been working together for, you know, a couple of years, Jake being the newest one. But, I mean, we, we're all friends in, in the room, but we know that when we get on the field, it's time to compete. It's time to show what we can do. Um, and, I mean, I, I'm used to competition. That's just how it's been ever since I've been here. And I, I love the dynamic that we have right now. Um, and I, I love how competition brings the best out of each one of us. It does feel like you have an advantage in that regard because you have lived in that competition mindset for a couple of years, like you said, and have been working with Coach Roderick in this same system, thus the fast, pro- uh, fast practice today. You're comfortable in the offense. Um, do you see it as an advantage that, uh, that you've been doing this for a few years now? Yeah, definitely. And just like you mentioned, I've, I've been competing ever since I got here. Even in high school, I had to compete for a starting job in high school. And it's just what I'm used to. Uh, I do feel like I have an edge in that sense just because I'm used to you know, competing for a job. 
Baylor, there are a lot of people that feel pretty good about you being the guy for BYU football based on what you have done on your resume. You've started games. You've won games. What would BYU fans get if Baylor Romney is the starting quarterback day one when you when you open up the season against Arizona? I mean, right now I'm feeling the best physically that I've felt since I've been at BYU, but also mentally. Um, I feel very confident in the system right now. And, you know, that goes with years of competing for a starting job, but also years of learning the system. Um, so I'll be ready physically and mentally uh, going into this year and game one against Arizona. What did you learn from Zach Wilson last year in his catapult year, if we, for lack of a better phrase, just watching him take that next step? What did you learn from him? Yeah, really just uh, taking um, taking advantage of an opportunity. He, I mean, none of us knew what was going to happen before the season. Um, people could have been bummed out about our schedule. We were going to play this, you know, really tough schedule against all these Power 5 schools and then, you know, to adjust to what we had. Um, and he really took advantage of that, I feel like. And, you know, just um, learning from him to take advantage of every day is um, something that I saw that he did. I love to hear from quarterbacks about how they would explain themselves to someone that has never seen them play. So I, I want to do that with you here, Baylor, uh, because yeah. I can offer my opinion. You know, I mean, you're the, to me, you're the guy that could go skydiving and you would be unfazed. You're like, yeah, yeah. whatever. Even if the parachute didn't open, you're like, don't worry, the reserve chute's going to open. It's all good. <laughs> I, I got this. Um, you're very calm and collected under pressure. How would you explain yourself to someone that hasn't seen you? Yeah, exactly. And I do pride myself on being poised in, in whatever situation I'm in uh, to have a calm demeanor no matter what. Um, but to describe myself as a quarterback, I feel that I'm someone that's smart with the ball and that's going to get the ball to playmakers on time um, and just allow them to do their thing. And you know that's really it for me, just get the ball to people that are going to make plays. One of those players is your brother, Gunner, who had a nice season, unfortunately had uh, an injury late in the season that kind of slowed him down a little bit. But a solid core of receivers return for BYU football with your brother uh, in spite of losing Dax Milne. What's your relationship like with Gunner and those guys in the receivers room? Yeah, hardworking. All the guys in there worked extremely hard up to this point, um, you know, in the offseason up to spring ball. Um, and, again, competing in there, a lot of guys are – you know, could play next year, and they're competing for you know a chance to be on the field. Okay, let's talk about the the guys again in the quarterbacks room with you. Uh, what have you seen from Jaron Hall specifically that makes you feel like he's gonna he's gonna push it? And he's gonna be significant comp- uh, significant competition rather. I mean, it's been competition with him since the day he got here, and I love that. We're good friends off the field, um, golf together occasionally, uh, but it's always competitive with him, and we know that we push each other, but we maintain a professional relationship while we do it. Who's the better golfer? Now, you, now you've opened up another door. <laughs> Depends on the day, I'm going to be honest. He gets <laughs> sometimes, I get him sometimes, but he's pretty good, though. I'm not going to lie. Right on. Go figure. Quarterbacks that can play golf. It just comes with the territory. <laughs> yep. Jacob Conover is a guy that uh, received a lot of praise coming out of high school, another Arizona guy, but he is still the new guy, ran the scout team last year. Um, what, what type of quarterback is he, and uh, what have you seen from him early on, again, that's going to help push you and, and others to be better? Yeah, he, he accomplished a lot of great things in high school. And even since he's been here at BYU, he's developed a ton. He's uh, grown pretty comfortable in the system in the short time that he's been here. Um, and again, just 
the guys like that are always competitive, always looking to uh, push others, push others' teammates in their position group to be better. And that's just who he is. He's a competitor. And, you know, that's how we all are in that room is we want to be the guy, and that's just how it is. Baylor, are you ready to handle the next uh, number of months with every day something about the BYU quarterback battle? Because I, I feel like it would just get super boring or super – uh, tiresome hearing about it every day. So how how do you handle that with all the media stuff yeah. around you? I stay away from it, man. I stay <laughs> off social media. I don't mess around with that stuff. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I, whether positive or negative, I really just try and stay away from it because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anyone else says besides your teammates and your coaches, and that's really what it comes down to. What are your coaches telling you right now, Aaron Roderick and Kalani Sataki? That it's in that a competition. <laughs> that it's a competition, man. That's what they're saying. And I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Just everyone competing, everyone pushing each other to get better every day. And that's just that's how I want it. I love it. Uh, not surprisingly, here we are. You're taking the hard questions, unfazed, poised, cool, collected. <laughs> you you did it, man. Dago won a spring oh, football man. in the books. You survived the annoying interview with me. Congratulations. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks, Spencer. <laughs> Thanks, Baylor. <laughs> Baylor Romney on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. And he had to tape it because he actually made a, uh, a semi-run down to Phoenix and back. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a busy guy uh, with that truck driver side gig. He's got, No, he looks like he's driving truck. The more we talk about him <laughs> not being the starting quarterback, I feel like just drives him more. Which oh, Baylor going- Romney's definitely going to be the second string quarterback. His, like, he- yeah, whatever. Like, he very well. Well, could be the starter. It could. Uh, it's. It's. I, I don't. I don't want to doubt him because I feel like it's just going to fuel him. Like, and he'll be the guy. We say he's not, and he'll, so, and he'll so, be the guy. So if he's. De- oh, interesting. I don't think that Baylor Romney could be the starter. Then that's crazy. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Okay, coming okay. into the season, Wilo had high expectations, but after an injury cut his season short, he's working on coming back again. This is Deep Blue, the season two finale, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Right now, I guess especially recently with the injury and the things kind of going on, I've asked a lot of why is this happening or what's really going on and it's put me in some dark places and has made me question things but if there's one thing that I've learned through this this recent process and this recent trial it's that I can do hard things and that I look forward to doing hard things it makes me better and it also makes those that are around me better hard is good and so I think with the upcoming season and just the rest of my career if if things get hard it's my time to push through and shine and try to be my best. So Wyatt had an uh, incredibly unfortunate setback, tore his shoulder this summer, and so he had surgery right away, and is, he, we're like on this time crunch where there's a chance we get him back before the first game of the season. Like It's going to be really close. And our special, and this one in front of us, is special. Lowell, who's just getting healthy from a shoulder surgery he had in the summertime. He went down and is in a lot of pain. He's a player that they think 
uh, can really mature into being a, a significant part. Whack freshman of the year when he's at Utah Valley. And don't like the way he grabbed the back of that ankle. Almost it was like a non-contact injury. I remember the first injury when he hurt his shoulder. And he called and said, my shoulder hurts. It doesn't feel right. And you obviously think, oh, okay. And then they said, it's torn. And I remember thinking, oh, you'll be all right. It won't be that bad. And, and Coach Pope called, and he was like, no, this is a setback. And I didn't understand what it was. To watch how hard he worked during his redshirt year, which was impressive. He got big and strong, and he worked so hard. And then to see all of a sudden the shoulder, and then it just kind of slowed everything down. And then you feel like you're not part of the team because you can't be with them as much. And we were sitting here and watching the Gonzaga game, and he fell. I thought, oh, no. When you get injured, it's, it, you feel like you, you, you feel stuck because you can't get better on the court and you can't shoot and you can't do all these things that you, what basically is your identity as a basketball player. The thoughts and the emotions that you can have just sitting on your couch watching your team play. Or I put in all this work for two years now and I still haven't really played. It feels like it's how it's just like... It's hard. There's a lot going on beneath the surface that I don't think a lot of people can sympathize with unless they've really done it. Man, you can't make this stuff up. Two injuries this quickly. The world's crashing with COVID. You just sat there and you felt so bad for them because you know there are worse things that could happen in life. But at the same time, to have it, have it happen so closely... But I know he'll, he'll get through it. He has to, he will, he wants to. And I'm so excited to watch him do it in whatever capacity that turns out to be. <laughs> be proud of him. My mom and my dad are hands down <clears throat> the most amazing people in the world. <clears throat> They've just done so much for me. And I'll forever be grateful for them. <clears throat> and I can go on with the rest of my family, my grandparents, my siblings. I just, I feel like I've been blessed with the best family in the world. And so I can just never say enough good things about them. Some say it's a little uh, for G-like. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's French. <laughs> Recently, I got engaged to the most amazing person in the world. He's very good at keeping me focused on what's important in the long run. He's a very eternal perspective, which I think has helped a lot with both his shoulder and his foot. So it's hard and not these things aren't easy, but he's very positive. But I do love competing with him too. I love I love beating Wyatt, so <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> My goals are just with basketball and my physical body just to get a little better every day, get pumped for our wedding, and like that's going to be the biggest moment of our lives combined. And after that, who knows? But I do know like just every day, our goal is just to get a little better every day and love each other and take care of each other while we're doing it.
Deep Blue featuring Wyatt Lowell. He only played in seven games, Spence, uh, you know, tore his labrum during the summer, never got fully recovered, and then had the Achilles. And so, yeah, he, he's going through a really hard thing, but we expect him to be in the mix next year. Love his attitude. Uh, I got a message from him uh, a couple of months back uh, right after his injury happened and just was really, really impressed with how he opts to to choose the, to, to work through this path. So really impressive kid. And uh, hopefully we get him back as 6'10", can shoot the three. Are you kidding me? We can use that. Absolutely. And uh, good luck in his recovering. And that's the uh, season two finale of Deep Blue. So season three coming up uh, in September. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is our longtime friend, ESPN play-by-play specialist, Roxy Bernstein. Roxy, thanks for the love on Saturday night, man. That was awesome, repping BYU Sports it's Nation on the still broadcast. Up. still there. It's still there. Come on. <laughs> we love it. And you know what? To show our gratitude for that, we thought we'd uh, return the favor with a, a T-shirt of our own. Okay, so here's our Roxy Bernstein special. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure those are flying right off the rack. <laughs> at the BYU they're store right now. Around the corner to get them. They're selling like hotcakes yeah. right now. Uh, available yeah. at the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere right now. $29.99. <laughs> steal, my friend. <laughs> hey, Roxy. i got to support my kids, get them through college somehow. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you obviously had uh, an up-close uh, look at BYU basketball, calling the game against St. Mary's on Saturday night. What's your impression of this team right now? Well, as up-close as I can get from about, what, 600 miles away? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, I-, I was impressed. Like, like The first half wasn't pretty by any semblance. It was a grind, physical battle in the first half. Um, but in the second half, you knew at some point BYU was going to find a rhythm offensively. And you just wondered if St. Mary's had enough firepower, and, and they didn't, to, to keep up with BYU. This is a different St. Mary's team than we've seen in years past. And I think it's a different BYU team, to be honest with you. I, I like the way this team, the makeup of this Cougars team, I think they're smart, they're tough. This is the type of team, at least my perception, guys, is the way Mark Pope wants to play. And this team is really finding a a good stride here toward the WCC tournament. We thought they'd be good to decent, right? You know, decent to good. But all of a sudden, BYU's back in the tourney, probably going to be a single-digit seed. This is pretty gnarly considering who BYU lost last year and how the season went. So what's been the most impressive thing about what BYU's done this year to you? Well, how do you replace a Yoli Childs and a TJ Hawes? And I think that's the the chore for Mark Pope, the way Alex Barcelo's game is raised to another level from a year ago and how good he's been all year. Um, certainly when you get a seven foot three transfer to drop in the middle, like Matt Harms, it helps, but the role players have stepped up and the depth is the other thing that I've noticed with this BYU team. This is a team that you guys see it. It's what nine, 10 players deep that Mark Pope could go deep into his bench on a given night and get contributions from anybody He's tweaked the lineup here down the stretch. Guys like Caleb Lohner have stepped up and, and have kind of progressed their game as the season has gone on. This is a, a balanced team. It's going to be a very difficult matchup when you get to the NCAA tournament just because of the way they play. And they can be multiple. They don't have to beat you in just one specific area. They can do it in a number of ways, and that will make it challenging 
for whoever they go up against. ESPN's Roxy Bernstein on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars have featured seven different leading scorers in the last eight games, going along with what you're just talking about. They are just so versatile. So, Roxy, where do the Cougars, with their resume and their unique roster, deserve to be seeded, assuming they get to Championship Tuesday and beat Pepperdine or whoever on Monday and face Gonzaga and probably lose again? <laughs> I'd say, look, Joe Lenardi, what, the latest had him as a seven? I, I think they're in the six, seven area is probably right. You go with the net rankings and they have a decent net ranking. But in that six, seven area, as long as they do what they're supposed to do, as you alluded to, okay, you beat Pepperdine, you get to the championship game, and you can have a strong showing against Gonzaga. Can you move up to a five? I think it'll be a challenge to get up that high. It wouldn't surprise me. And let's see what happens all across the other tournaments. And we've got some interesting games coming up, even like, for example, tonight, Duke, Georgia Tech, and Duke trying to fight their way back into the field and make themselves a relevant team. There's going to be bids to be won, bids to be lost. And this is a, a, a strong league when you look at Gonzaga, the number one overall national seed, and then BYU right behind him probably as a six or a seven. Now, contractually, it makes sense why Gonzaga would show up to Las Vegas. But realistically, <laughs> it still feels weird to me that the Zags would go to that tournament given that you have to have seven negative tests going into Indy, they're the number one overall team in the country. I still think it's a little weird. I don't know how you feel about it, though. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I subscribe, Jerem, to the, the Jake Billis theory in terms of Uh-oh. if you've opted in and it's on the schedule, you got to play it, hmm. right? Where, you know, if you opted out, that's one thing. Or if, you're, if your conference decided not to hold a conference tournament, that's another thing. But it's not fair if you all of a sudden decide, you know what, hey, Wilk, we're going to be a number one seed anyways, and we're going to be the number one overall national seed, and eh, it's not worth our trouble going to Vegas. Because then you could be being – your league could end up being a bit stealer. What if Pepperdine were all of a sudden to win the WCC tournament or, you know, St. Mary's or whoever LMU comes up and shocks everybody? This is a, a, a conference, regardless of what happens in Vegas, it's getting two teams in. We know that. And the possibility of a third would steal a bit from somebody else. I really believe that if you've opted into play and you've chosen to go through it this season, you should honor that commitment and play in your conference tournament. Roxy, similar to last year, Gonzaga is going to be a number one seed, albeit they're going to be the number one overall seed this year. And BYU is pacing for a six or a seven seed which is basically on par with where the Cougars were headed when things got shut down last year after losing to St. Mary's in the semifinals. So given that, is this year's BYU team on par with last year's BYU team? I guess in some ways, Spencer, you could say that. I, I almost think this team is better. Now, last, team, last year's team may have had more talent and firepower with, with Yoli and with Hawes, right? And Zach Selye is when he get hot could shoot the basketball. But I think the way this team is constructed, year two under Mark Pope, this group really, I think, has taken on the personality of Mark and what he wants from this team, where they really defend. They're physical. They get after you. They have an interior presence defensively. I I think that this is a better defensive team. Look, the talent level, and you throw in Toulson last year, the talent level was probably better on last year's squad 
But I think the way the parts fit this year, this group could be better. And it's an interesting conversation that we've been having, too, because we're like, ah, it's last year. And I I think the difference from last year to this year, and it's interesting, like you talked about, is there's a top five win sitting there for last year's team that BYU doesn't have this year. And maybe that gives them the edge a little bit. But the fact that BYU is even in the same conversation this year is really interesting. Okay, I want to move on to the WCC Awards. Those are going to come out potentially in about 30 minutes or so. We, we, named, uh, the, we gave the BYUSN WCC Awards. <laughs> Corey Kispert's Player of the Year to us. Is he the Player of the Year in the league to you? Yeah, I, I think he has to. Um, look, if you wanted to go Suggs, all right. If you wanted to go Timmy, okay. <laughs> but Kispert's probably the best player on the best team. I think you've got to give it to him. Just in the four-year achievement, right, the, the distinguished career on top of being the leader of that Gonzaga team. So, yeah, I, I agree with you guys, Kispert. We have Alex Barcelo and Eli Scott in our top five as well. Are those fair picks in your mind? Yes, I do think those are fair. i got to think that Colby Ross you can put in your top five as well. And if you're going a, a fifth person to put in, maybe you go back to somebody from Gonzaga. Maybe Southern we just do a we just do a non-Gonzaga WCC. Like <laughs> okay. all of you are for all like the be- the worst guy on the bench. He's all league. Whatever. It's everybody. We should do that. That'd be funny. Yeah. All right. So you got if you're going the non-Gonzaga five, Colby Ross, okay. Barcelo, Barcelo. Now we go by specific position. Jamari, no, we, just, uh, no, no. Twenty twenty one positions don't matter, right? Jamari Bouye. Yeah, positionless basketball. All right. Ross Barcelo. I'm a big Kessler. Fan. Yeah. I, I like. Yeah. I like his game. Um, as I look around the league, nobody from St. Mary's really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It stands out to me. Um, LMU's just been too inconsistent. I mean, other than Eli Scott, so I'll put Eli on there. So Eli Barcelo. I got to put Matt Harms on there. Okay. I mean, with the impact that he's had for this team. The way he's come in, um, averaging double figures in points and leads the league in block shots. And I got to find one more, huh? Jamari Bouye, maybe? I was thinking Bouye. That, that's a possibility. I'm just kind of go through the rosters. Nobody on San Diego. Pacific, no. Um, maybe Vrankage. Santa Clara. Mm, it's a toss-up. Vrankage or Bouye. I'm, okay. I'm with you. I, I, I could be swayed either way. Okay, there are your top five non-Gonzaga West Coast Conference That's what, players. We're going to start doing Rossi that every year. We're like, every no year. Gonzaga. Yeah. <laughs> well, didn't we do something like this last year on the show when we were all in Vegas at, at the tournament together? Probably. <laughs> hey, we probably That's went a, down that path. It's been a long year, bro. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Hey, Roxy. It's, it's typically still not a year yet, right? Because everything shut down. March 12th. What, March 12th a year ago, so yes. we're getting there. Yeah, 10 years in one year. It was great. Ten, ten more days. Yeah. Ten more days. It's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for all the games you're going to be calling coming up and for your San Jose Sharks. Oh, they need it. They need some <laughs> karma. All right, Roxy. Good to talk to you, man. Next year, Vegas. Let's do it. Let's go. Roxy Bernstein on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. All right, let's watch some highlights uh, shot by Brandon to Spain, the homie. Okay, so it looks like Baylor Romney to Gunnar Romney for a touchdown. They're celebrating, and uh, there's no defense. So this should be pretty easy. Okay, touchdown, high-pointed. 
Very nice. Okay. okay. The Romney connection is clearly yep. going to be a yep. huge part of the BYU offense based okay. on this highlight. Very quick throw. It's not that high of a throw, though. It seemed pretty Notice okay. that Gunner caught that very cleanly. We'll see if he catches it cleanly from the other He'll quarterbacks. probably have 1,000 yards. Yeah, he, like, drops every ball from Jared. <laughs> That'd be funny. Oh, I think Baylor should be the starter. Okay, next highlight. Okay. Let's make some rash assumptions about this okay. one. This is Jacob Conover. Woo! Okay, and that is Talmadge Gunther. Okay, we're going to throw some music in here to make it a little more intense. The scout team quarterback okay, that, is ready to bowl, Jerem. That corner, he just got burned. Um, is that the game plan to get burned? It throws a little behind him. Uh, Conover, I, I like his ball. Pretty ball. He's going with the, the Kurt Warner like left glove thing. Okay, freshman. Jacob yeah. Conover will clearly make at least six starts based on this one. Play. Oh, my gosh. He's got, he's got the towel out the back, which is kind of fun. I like that. A little old school. Okay. All right. Third and final one here. These are all from yesterday. Okay. Here's Jaron Hall. Okay. Oh, this is, this is from uh, sideline to sideline all the way to Talmadge Gunther again. Talmadge Gunther will average one this, touchdown catch per game. Is this the Talmadge Gunther highlight? Yeah. Okay. Nice throw. Left hash over the far right sideline. This is a nice, this is a nice throw. Jaron barely has to move here and knows where he's going pre-snap. I like that. Okay. Talmadge is going to catch one touchdown per game. Ask Ask Jay Drew what he thinks about Talmadge Gunther. <laughs> Do you remember that a few years ago? <laughs> yes. These are our rash assumptions based on three okay, distinct go. highlights from day one of BYU Listen, football spring practice. No one else is going to bring you that kind of coverage, spring ball. I promise you. No one. Not in that capacity. Nope, not I like that, that dude. <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Okay, what will have your attention more in March? BYU Spring Football, which starts practice today, or BYU Hoops in the NCAA tournament. Well, in the moment, BYU football is stealing the show because <laughs> well, they just released the new uniforms. The and schedule, Ole Miss and Dixie. The schedule was made official ball. over the weekend. And that. Quarterback battle. So right now it's it's BYU spring football. football. We we have a ton of hoops to talk about. What are you doing on a Monday? We, we It's only an hour show. We got a lot to address. BYU basketball just wrapped up another impressive regular season by beating St. Mary's. That's great and all, but in the moment it is football. By the time next Monday rolls around, then It'll we switch basketball. gears to basketball it's because it's yeah. game on. It's semifinal Monday, and BYU didn't play this week. Is probably going to end up uh, having a contest, I think, with Pepperdine to try and exact some revenge so that they can get a third shot at Gonzaga. But right I, now, I want Pepperdine for Let's the next go. few days. It feels like football is the topic. Well, you can't roll out something monumental like this and it not be right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's football. But when you get later into the month, I, starting next Monday, it will be basketball. Yet, 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 we have a quarterback battle, and there's nothing more compelling in BYU sports than a quarterback battle. Literally nothing. Like, more than some of the games, honestly. It's a big deal. And props to men's hoops for beating St. Mary's by, uh, you know, double figs again. Woo, two wins and double figs. I like that. Little, little double fig Newton. Jumped them up six spots in the net rankings in one day because of me, that. Me likey. Uh, there were a bunch of upsets on Saturday. That helped as well. So that's great. Um, and in fact... Um, Spring football has questions to be answered, uh, the first of which is quarterback, and we've talked about it, right? In my opinion, if BYU can get away with not playing a freshman, I think that'd be great. Not because I don't want those freshmen to play because of who they are. It's more of where they are in their BYU football journey. You have Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney who have won games, who have started, who have played well. Granted, the volume's low. 
and it's been since 2019. But I would prefer to play an upperclassman in this situation against seven power fives, three years in the system, versus a, a uber-talented Jacob Conover. Let's, you know what? I've probably been uh, neglectful in not including at least in name, Soldier. Yes, and elite an uber-talented Elite 11 guy. Right? So, but, but, but I want their time to come a little later because Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney have, have proven a little bit more, right, in games. We haven't seen Jacob Conover quite yet. We barely saw Baylor Romney last year. And we didn't see uh, Jaron Hall at all. It didn't even dress for, uh, you know, 11 of the 12 games. I'd prefer that it's one of those two guys. Been in the system, seven power five, just their turn, then it's your turn. Jacob Conover did have last year to have a Max Hall-like freshman year where Max dabbled at Arizona State, went on a mission, uh, came home, and then he was the scout squad guy, couldn't play, and then the next year he goes 11-2 and two as a sophomore. Now, redshirt freshman Jacob Conover, who knows? Maybe that's his uh, plight in life uh, this season. Maybe he's the best guy and he deserves it. If he wins the competition, great. I would just prefer not to throw a freshman out there because I don't think a freshman wins eight games against this schedule, I, no, no matter how talented that guy is. That's nothing against Jacob. It's more against how tough the schedule is. Sure. I feel like my quarterback depth chart today is going to be different than what it is four weeks from now. We will learn some things over spring football. Yeah. But right now, just based on what's happened, I feel like it's probably Baylor Romney by a hair because of what he did, and then Jaron Hall and Jacob Conover and Soljay Mayava. But if I Jaron's think, healthy. I have Jaron. But first. things, yeah, I'm with you. Things can change in a hurry, and at the end of spring, assuming Jaron does what we expect him to do, I think he'll be the guy coming out of spring that will have an edge over Baylor Romney and the rest. If Jaron Hall doesn't win this battle, something happened. That's what I think. Calling my shot all the way to okay. August. Jaron Hall is the, the favorite. It's a this. fascinating time. Spring football mingled with uh, 28 other sports happening right now, approximately, at BYU. Well, today the second most popular sport at BYU begins, which is spring football. <laughs> That's just how it is. I'm, I'm sorry. I, we love all the sports. Yet as of March 8th, basketball will take over for a few weeks, and then we'll kind of dabble back in with yeah, BYU football. They have to get to the semifinal of the conference tournament. To compete with spring football. That's just, trust me, I love hoops. Nice to be loved. That's what Zach Wilson is getting right now, not just from Cougar Nation, of course, but uh, from some notable NFL analysts. As mentioned, former Texas and NFL quarterback Chris Sims. He likes Zach Wilson. I'd I'd say it's borderline love. (laughs) No, it's actually love. He's got the the best arm in the draft. You know, and from that aspect, I mean, hey, could Justin Fields, if they stand there, or Trevor Lawrence, and you just said, throw it as hard as you can right there at the wall, could maybe they throw it a few miles per hour harder? I don't know, maybe. But the difference is, Zach Wilson, you know, can throw 100 on the radar every, every throw, and from every angle yeah. and in every window and two feet are off the ground and he still can throw it as hard as he wants and has unbelievable control as if the ball at the, the receiver was four feet from him. So, you know, his arm is special and his accuracy is special. Special indeed. Chris Sims weighing in. Spencer, does Chris Sims love Zach Wilson more than we do? I can't believe we actually have to consider that he might. On the bromance man crush level, he's probably like a nine and a half out of ten. We've got the blue goggles on, so I mean we we've had this 
football relationship going with Zach Wilson for a while now. So I, I don't think Chris Sims is there, but he's starting to be in that conversation of like number one fan of Zach Wilson next to Lisa Wilson, his mom. It's <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like I said, he's full on smitten with the quarterbacking capabilities of Zach Wilson right now. And I, I when I first saw the tweet that Chris Sims sent out yesterday that said, hey, I Here's my list of quarterback rankings. Zach Wilson, number one. Trevor Lawrence, number two. Mac Jones. Uh, and then he had Justin Fields, number five. I was like, whoa, what's the deal here? He's going to have a long day on yeah, social Kellen media. Yeah, Kellen Mond is Deal- a shocker at four. Wild, right? So he, I'm, he's, I'm sure he was dealing with angry fans all day long, and that will continue for uh, weeks to come as he like doubles down on Zach Wilson being the guy. But you listen to his breakdown – and you can understand why he loves Zach Wilson so much as the number one pick. If, if he's saying that he is Aaron Rodgers-ish and Patrick Mahomes-ish, I'm not hearing him say that about anybody else in the draft. So, uh, And this goes back to what Steve Young told us. Zach's very in the moment. He has this ability to not... Uh, lose himself in, in whatever he's trying to do, and he makes those awkward throws and, and makes really difficult things look pretty easy, fits the ba- the football into very tight windows on a regular basis consistently. So I, I understand why Chris Sims is, is saying what he's saying, and I really appreciated that breakdown. I don't know if it's enough to push Zach Wilson to number, to number one over Trevor Lawrence. I still think there's so much undue pressure on the on the Jaguars and Urban Meyer to take Trevor Lawrence because if they don't and he's awesome, they'll never hear the end of it. it it'll be this crazy scenario. But, um, man, you talk about the pendulum, Jerem. The, the pendulum seems to be staying here. It's been here for a few weeks. Like, when, when is it going to move back to Zach being, like, number two or four or five or even eight or ten in the draft? Yeah, we're like seven weeks out, so this is probably predictable, right? Like, what's a new storyline? What's a new narrative? And Chris isn't doing this to make news. He really feels that. And that's totally fine, but he is a notable voice in the game. So this is interesting that there are now, what, three or four notable voices saying, hey, I'd actually have him. And when you talk about arm angles and throwing motion and these things in the real evaluation of a quarterback, yes, I I said this before, Zach Wilson does some things better than Trevor Lawrence. Does he do everything? Is he a better overall quarterback? In the opinion of Chris Sims, yes. But when you look at the games that Trevor Lawrence has played in and the way he's played, he's clearly the number one pick to me. That doesn't mean we don't love Zach Wilson. I think Zach is the next best spot there. A lot of that has to do with just the opportunity that Trevor Lawrence has been given versus an opportunity for Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson is healthy and able, uh, he probably performs pretty well in a Power 5 conference, I think. So different different opportunities given there. Like Mac Jones, we all, we all think Mac Jones is good, but it's like hard to know because he's got this amazing offensive line. He's got like three NFL receivers. <laughs> He's got an, a, you know, a first-round running back. It's hard to know in that situation how to compare. So let's put up a blind resume. I think we have a good idea of where Zach is because we know his numbers. But let's see these others and try and guess at what other quarterbacks they are. And namely, which quarterback you would take in this one. So, um, yeah, so, so let's, let's check this out. So Zach okay. Wilson... Um, it's 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 one verse two. So we know that Zach is the one on the left because we know that he had 33 touchdown passes and three picks. But you look at the other Correct. guy. Like, would you take this other guy over him based on these stats? Um, you know, just better stats from Zach, except for the touchdown number. But fewer, uh, you know, of of interception. The efficiency is way higher. QB one is Zach. Now, who is QB two? 
I don't exactly know who QB2 is. That could be Fields. That, oh, it's Trevor Lawrence. Okay, there you go. It's Trevor Lawrence. All right. So that was the 2019 season from Trevor. That wasn't 2020 where he got to play, uh, you know, a couple more games with the uh, playoff there and whatnot. So, yeah, that was that was 19 from Trevor. Okay, interesting. I, a lot of this has to do, Spencer, too, if, to me, is Zach is going to be rewarded for what he did well this year. Absolutely. But there should be a conversation about strength of schedule. Like, there wasn't sure. the same kind of pressure on Zach, I'm talking in the pocket, that Trevor Lawrence had to face when he plays a uh, certain competition that BYU did not. But the way that Zach performed was like the highest PFF grade ever for a quarterback, and he deserves to be way near the top. Does he deserve to be number one? In Chris Sims' eyes, yes. If I'm the Jaguars, though, I am taking Trevor Lawrence one. But if I'm the Jets, I'm taking Zach Wilson two. Now, the wild card here is always going to be, well, look at what Zach Wilson did against Power 5 competition. We have the luxury of knowing that Zach was not healthy in 2019. Yeah. His and shoulder was 70 to, yeah, 70 to 75%. Uh, and even in Zach's words, he's told us we're talking to him once a week on his path to the draft on BYU Sports Nation saying, not only was I not healthy, but my mind wasn't right because I was so focused on expediting my recovery that I didn't get to spend as much time as I wanted to just with the game and the nuances and things like that. I had to spend more time in the training room. And uh, We both said over the summer, let him get healthy and then let's see what Zach Wilson can really do when he doesn't have a broken thumb and a recently reconstructed surgery uh, of his shoulder. So we kind of felt like this was coming. Nobody thought that he was going to be this good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not even sure that Zach Wilson and his family thought he was going to be this <laughs> how, good. They, like, how uh, could they, right? I mean, this what we saw was unbelievable. I mean, it's not the greatest yeah. BYU football season. That would be tied up for 1990, but it's in the conversation in terms of efficiency and what he did. And it's more than the numbers. Like, the numbers are nice. It's a good object, you know, lesson. But Chris Sims worked it down really well. Like, the off-platform, the, the arm angles, the getting it in the receiver's pocket. Like, it was unbelievable yeah. what we saw this year. Yes. Yeah. And the whole Power 5 conversation, I mean, can we just step back for a moment and, and agree that UCF and Houston and Boise State are Power 5-like teams? Like, the talent that those squads have are like middle to low-tier Power 5 programs. And I, so don't, I, I don't argue I wanna... with those. It's like the rest of the schedule. Because... Because sure, yeah. What, what these guys have to go through each week is different than what BYU did this year. It's a shame that we didn't get the six power fives for Zach yes, to show that. Yes. But Zach is not in the convo to me for the second pick if BYU plays that schedule because the numbers wouldn't be as high. They wouldn't pop as well. He would still be a first-round conversation guy, but I think it would have changed the narrative. This was the best-case scenario for Zach because the idea of what he could do is greater than actually seeing it a lot of times. Like, look at the NBA draft. A lot of those guys are taking on, well, he was 13-8, and eight, but he was a freshman at Florida State, and he's 6'10 with a wingspan. Like, that's the NBA draft. That's happening with Zach Wilson here, which is awesome. And it's interesting that Chris Sims said, there's a space or a gap between Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. What? Listen to this. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this class. This class jumped out to me 
more than I expected it to in general. Of course, Zach Wilson is the, 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 you know, the big banner to me to just go, hey, there's Zach Wilson, and there's a little bit of a gap for me between him and Trevor Lawrence right now and everything like that because I think he is just a full-blown superstar can take over a game by himself. We need to send Chris wow. some blue goggles, bro, because that is, that is quite the take. Woo! I, and listen, that is spicy. I, I'm excited about it, but what I don't want to do is create this superstar pressure on Zach, and then if he's just like good but not great, now he's disappointing. Like I don't, I don't want that with Zach. The entourage for Zach Wilson to go number one is slowly growing. Now we've got Chris Sims on the, on the mix, and we've got Mark Schlereth and Joe Theismann and different NFL scouts. Uh, it's it's pretty wild that this is even this is even a thing right now, Jerem. All it takes is the Jaguars GM Trent Baalke to be in that corner for Zach to go. Yes, that's all it takes. Is he convinced? Yeah. We're nine days away from Selection Sunday. Can you believe it? There's still work to do for the men's basketball team and certainly the women. Let's focus on the men for a moment. The Cougars prepare for Pepperdine, Pacific, or Santa Clara on Monday in the West Coast Conference semifinal. And beyond that, we'll see what the Cougars get in terms of seeding. Latest projections have BYU at a 7 or 8 seed, depending on who you ask. So, Spencer, do you feel like the Cougars' stock is still rising? Yeah, it's been interesting to watch BYU kind of make this move up all of those metrics, playing really limited games, but all of these other teams across the country in the top 25 of the major metrics kind of been beating each other up. There have been some losses, a lot of shuffling. So I've watched BYU go from the first eight seed and 29 on Lenardi's S-curve to 25, back down to 28, and now the Cougars are again at 25, which would be the first seven seed. So um, it, the trend is is good for BYU. I have no reason to think that the stock isn't continuing to rise. Now if BYU can just take care of business on a neutral site on Monday night in the semifinal, probably against Pepperdine, then maybe that's enough to show the committee that, hey, that loss at Pepperdine was a fluke. If BYU wins dominantly against Pepperdine in Vegas – then who knows? Maybe that jumps them up to one of the final six seeds. And then depending on what they do against Gonzaga, we'll see. I mean, you would think that a win over the only undefeated team in the country, while it seems highly improbable and unlikely, you never know. It's March. We've seen crazier things happen, especially with BYU and Gonzaga in that rivalry series. Maybe BYU could jump up to a five seed, which is just wild. That said, Jeremiah, you and I have talked a lot about that 5-12 matchup for good reason. Maybe BYU doesn't want to be a 5 seed, and they should just kind of hope for a 6 and, and stick with that. But certainly the stock continues to rise for the Cougars. Yeah, and I don't see Gonzaga being challenged for a while. I mean, it might be a couple rounds of the NCAA tournament, let alone the West Coast Conference tournament. So I, I think if BYU can win the semifinal, and again, it's, to some Cougar fans, they're like, dude, Pepperdine's a bad loss. No, it's not. It's a quad two. The committee does not see that as a bad loss. BYU fans do because they're like, we should beat everybody by Shinshaga convincingly. That's not true. Like, BYU loses a couple sometimes, whatever. You know what Mark Pope hasn't done? He hasn't lost a quad three or four. And the committee can quantify a bad loss by those, and he doesn't have one. So everything's good, man. Everything's good. Uh, BYU, I think, would be fine as a 7. I just don't want an 8-9. 6 would be awesome. 5 feels like a stretch right now because 
the expectation isn't to beat Gonzaga. The team should go for that, sure. But come on, man, they went undefeated. They're the number one team. Like, it's totally unrealistic and nearly impossible. If it happens, it'd be amazing and we'd celebrate it forever. But if it doesn't, it's the status quo. It's okay. So, resume update. BYU up to 19 in the net, which is just fantastic. Ken Palm at 22. BPI uh, 28. KPI 8, which makes no sense. Throw out the high there. That's just, what? <laughs> uh, strength of record, 21. R- strong schedule. And Sagarin, 23. BYU's in a great spot, man. Great spot. I'm super happy about what's going on here. BYU gets 6. That's fantastic. Even better than a 7. Yes. Just avoid 8-9. Just avoid 8-9 and yo estoy and happy un... Happy camper, okay? That's all. It feels like BYU will avoid the 8-9 as long as they just win on Monday. Like, that, that feels like so. the key. Even if it's close, just you win, you win the semifinal, you play Gonzaga again, if you lose, it feels like that is the cutoff, that BYU absolutely will be at least a seven seed if they just win on Monday night. Isn't it weird? It was weird yesterday seeing Lenardi had Utah State and Duke as some of the first teams out. I'm like, Duke? He's better than Duke this year. That's fantastic. And and Kentucky and Kentucky and a bunch of and North Carolina and a bunch of blue blood. So it's a great year. We're going to talk to Mark Pope coming up a little bit later as well about when they leave for Vegas and what's going on. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot to discuss. But yeah, six would be awesome. Seven's great. No eight nine, please. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We have reached that time for our weekly conversation with Zach Wilson on his path to the NFL draft. Will he be the number one pick, the number two pick? We hope he's a top five pick. We think he will be. He joined us yesterday to discuss not just his current training but the current status of the quarterback battle in Provo. Fun stuff. All of this on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Zach, your boys Chaz Ayu and Tyler Algier had the massive opportunity to put on display the brand new uniforms for the social media universe with the Navy and Royal Blue helmets. What do you think of the new kits for BYU football? Yeah, BYU is, uh, they're different now, man. They're keeping up with the times, finally. Um, you know, now we're allowed to have Coke on campus, and now we got cool uniforms. So they're finally doing things right. Um, you know, I guess that's what happens when you win You win some football games. You get to do some fun stuff. So. Uh, super jealous, though. I wish I was able to wear those, man. Which, which combination did you like the most out of uh, the Navy and the Royal and the White here? Well, I think that's what's so cool. I, I liked all of them. You know, normally I'm like, oh, not a big, big fan of the Navy, but the Navy helmet uh, mixed with those uniform combos looks sweet. So, you know, I can't, I can't complain. I told Billy, hey, all white wasn't something I really liked until this year, and now I associate it with winning. So uh, I'm cool with it now. How did you feel about this year in the jerseys? Because it was a little different. You guys were trying some new stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. It definitely makes it more fun. Uh, you know, you look good, you play good, and I definitely believe in that. And so I think it was awesome to be able to met, you know, mess around with uh, different jersey combinations, and now they're taking it to a whole other level. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Zach, I know the coaches and the equipment guys and the staff, they'll do whatever they can to lure a star player back. And I'm sure that they're like, hey, Zach, come back. We got some good things in the waiting. Um, but obviously you're, you're on to your next adventure in the NFL. However, we are curious – 
When was the last time you legitimately entertained coming back to BYU for one more season? Yeah, I remember we were doing a, you know, a little photo shoot, you know, before I even decided, you know, what I was doing. I was still, you know, on the edge. We're in season and, and we were sitting there uh, doing, you know, photos for, for the blackout uniforms against San Diego State. And I remember Billy was just like, you know, hey, if you stay, I promise we'll make this like the uniform. Like we'll, we'll keep this uniform. <laughs> and, and we'll and, you know, that was probably when it was the hardest to have to decide. Okay, we'll talk about your experience and some NFL stuff, but we d- did want to pick your brain about the BYU quarterback race. This is certainly there's no bigger topic in BYU sports than a quarterback race, and so now we have a fun one with Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney and Jacob Conover and Soldier Maiava Peters. You got to know these guys really well. What do you think of this group of guys that are competing for that top spot? Yeah, they all want it. They're all hungry for it. Um, you know, some of them have been waiting, uh, and it's it's you know it's a lot of their times to to show what they got. Uh, some of the young guys that want to play early have an opportunity right now. And some of the guys that have been there for a little bit, you know, learning and uh, not, not being able to play as much have an opportunity as well. And so I think they're all, um, you know, hungry to get going at it. You know, I talked to some of the coaches about, you know, what's been, you know, going on and they said there's a little bit of rust just, you know, all over and they haven't installed everything, but you know, he said there's promise uh, between everybody. So I'm excited to see what happens. Hopefully I catch the end of it. BYU quarterback great Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation as he prepares for the NFL draft. Because you were in that open competition to a degree at BYU with Tanner Mangum, and then it was your job, and then going into last season there was still some competition out there. What's the best and worst part of that dynamic as a guy in your position? Yeah, I mean, you you approach every single day like like you know it's a tryout, like you're, like you're in an interview to try and win that starting job. You know, every little thing you do you feel like is getting documented. Um, you know, the thing that does suck is, you know, you feel like it, uh, you know, hampers with the relationships with you and maybe the other quarterbacks a little bit, you know, you feel like, uh, you know, you're cool on the outside, but deep down, you know, you're like, you know, we're competing, like we're not friends right now, you know? So it's kind of funny the way you approach it, but, uh, you know, your button heads, you're, you're trying to see who gets, you know, with the starting center, who's, you know, getting in line first, who's throwing routes versus air first, you know, who's getting the handoffs first. And so everything's a competition. I think it just makes everyone better. And, um, I think it's a, a good thing to experience that. And, you know, it teaches you how to, you know, ride the, the highs and lows. And so those guys are definitely going to figure that out. Certainly the earlier, the better in establishing who the guy is. Yet, I feel like, and we feel like, it may take until fall camp like it did last year to really know who the guy is. So as a quarterback in that situation, do you feel like, hey, it needs to be all spring ball PRPs need to be kind of just divided among us. You know, there's not like a quarterback dictating this. And then fall camp, we resume that. Yeah, no doubt. I definitely think that's, you know, how, how it will go just because, um, you know, it's, it's pretty tied. I, I would say all over and they're waiting for that person that's going to step up and truly separate themselves. Cause I know, um, you know, they haven't had that yet. They just haven't seen a lot of the, the other guys. And so uh, I think it's going to take into fall camp. Um, and then granted, I mean, spring ball is definitely a time where a lot of guys that, you know, definitely don't play a ton or, or are new to the team, get a lot of reps. And so, um, you know, it's, it's hard to see, how well people do and different guys are all thrown in there at different positions. You know, the offense is still rusty, you know, last season feels like it just ended. And so uh, fall camp is really when I feel like people are starting to get into a rhythm. The team is um, on track with everything. So this is, you know, really just a good introductory to like getting guys ready for, for what football in college is going to be like. Zach, whenever Aaron Roderick tells you who the starting quarterback is going to be, we're going to use you as our insider to break that news. Are you cool with that? <laughs> Yeah, if you guys pay well, we'll see. (laughs) 
Okay, we're working. We're working on that. You know, this is BYU TV, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know how much tithing. Uh, I know how much tithing takes too. So. Oh, get out of here! Get out of here! <laughs> well played, Mr. Wilson. Well played. All right, let's talk about you a little bit uh, because obviously you're locked in. You're doing everything you can to get ready for the NFL and uh, a projected top ten pick into the NFL. What's your biggest strength as a quarterback as of early March in 2021? Yeah, I feel like it's the ability to um, to make you know some of the, the awkward, funny throws. Um, you know that maybe are the explosive plays in games. I feel like that's my strength, especially when we're out here throwing on the field. Um, when you get to this level, everybody can throw. Uh, you know, the basics and, and the outs and, and the curls and all the, you know, the straight drop back routes. But I feel like, um, you know, where I can separate myself is when a play breaks down, you know, you got to leave the pocket, you got to throw off balance, you got to be able to, you know, drive the ball in, in awkward positions that I feel like that's where, um, you know, I can separate myself. And so um, that's definitely something I've been working on and something I'm definitely going to add to my pro day, pro day script. What's the one game that if you can only pick one game, you can give to an NFL GM and scouts and say, this is who I am? Yeah, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's hard. I mean, when, you know, I'm not even just talking about myself, but when the whole team dominated the way that we did uh, this last season, it's hard to just point to, a, to one game. You know, we had a lot of big-time plays um, in a lot of different games that we had played. Um, you know, I want to say Louisiana Tech was a good one. I think I only had a couple of incomplete, uh, incompletions in that game total. Um, you know, so there's not much to, to say that was bad in that game. Um, but I mean, you look at some better competition games with Boise state and UCF and, and even Houston, uh, some in clutch moments. Um, I would say those are the best. And then, you know, even being able to, you know, put together some two minute drives, you know, we came short at coastal Carolina, but I would say, um, you know, that's a drive being able to move the field at the end, uh, that I know a lot of coaches are intrigued with. Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation as he is on his path to the NFL draft. It's been two and a half months since BYU disposed of UCF in that bowl game in dominating fashion. Where have you grown the most as a quarterback from late December to now early March? Yeah, well, mentally, you know, we're in the film room every single day uh, learning uh, how the NFL game was played. And it's definitely different. You know, there's uh, quite a bit more going on, more on my plate, more things I'm going to have to handle. Um, you know, but I think it's great. I think it's, uh, you know, such a great, great experience to be able to go through all this stuff, um, you know, with other quarterbacks every day. So that's just going to push us to be better anyways. Um, you know, but just, I, I would say the resources in general, I just, you know, being able to not have school and then you're focusing on football all day, you got film study and then, you know, you're working on the board, going through things. Um, and then you're out on the field, uh, lifting off, running, all that stuff is so great. And so, you know, we just have better resources, you know, I'd say that's that's the biggest difference. We do interviews now about you. People call and say, tell us about Zach Wilson, and we do our best to represent you as best we can, of course. Uh, one in Portland said, uh, what's, what's the we- what does Zach Wilson not do well, or what's a weakness or question mark? And I said, honestly, there's not a ton. Like, the one-year one thing isn't a thing. Uh, Joe Burrow, I would argue even Steve Young just had the one good year in college, right? But the one thing that came up, I was like, well – the schedule's a thing, yet BYU dominated. So that's certainly going to come up with GMs and scouts. How do you address the, the way you played and dominated against a schedule that didn't include any Power Fives, but that wasn't BYU's fault? Yeah, no doubt. I think the best way to look at it is, is to imagine that there is no defense on the field. I think um, if you just completely look at what an offense is doing and, and the way that they're doing it and the throws that you know, I'm making and the, and the spots that I'm putting up, and if there's a wowing factor in the things that we're doing, 
uh, with absolutely no defense. And, you know, that's how you, how you judge a, a team, you know, and, um, you know, I wasn't able to make those kind of throws and stuff. My, my sophomore year, you know, going through injury and development and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think, I think where a team, you know, starts to look at the schedule, um, you know, I think most coaches, you know, cause I'm not the only one, how many quarterbacks have come through that, you know, haven't played a good schedule. Um, you could say that with every BYU quarterback that's come through, that's played in the mountain West. Uh, so really, I think that, I think the coaches will go through and they look at it and they say, you know, how is this throw, um, just as a throw with no defense, you know, not depending on what a defense is actually doing. And I think that's how uh, they judge everything you're doing. What's the throw from last year or throws that you're most proud of? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think clinching the game at Houston was pretty cool. The Dax on a little sluggo route and being able to put one up and down pretty quick and get it to him in the back pylon to, you know, pull ahead of, uh, in front of those guys or, or Texas state, you know, before half, um, you know, the, the long one across across my body. And that was, you know, really just cause I felt like, you know, it matched up with my film study and things that I was working on um, or the law tech, you know, whole shot uh, right before the half uh, to gunner. Um, you know, there was definitely some fun moments. That's for sure. Can I add the Neil Pau touchdown, which I think was your final, like <laughs> that throw, like on, dude on his hip in the ball game was unbelievable. Yeah. Right. That was, that was a crazy throw. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a fun one. Uh, you know, I was really trying just to anticipate uh, Neil turning up the field, having the corner with his, his eyes uh, on Neil and not being able to see me and just trying to fit that ball in there quick. So I wouldn't have to float it in the air. And so, you know, I was really trying to just show off a little bit right there. <laughs> Brady, Mission accomplished. And, and you did. Brady Christensen was hilarious. We had him on, I don't know, a month or two ago, Spence. And, and he said, I used to run down all the way into the end zone and celebrate with the guys, but we started scoring too much and almost too quickly. I would just turn, embrace Zach, and then run to the sideline. That's a yeah. good problem, right? It is, yeah. I mean, I stopped running down there, too. He was like, I'll, I'll meet him on the bench and we get to the sideline. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll see you over there, man. Nice job. Like, huh? I'll, I'll see you over, like, like, over there. Tired. You just point. You just point down there. Yeah. Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation. Zach, what, what type of feedback and critique are you receiving from NFL scouts, whether that's through your agent or direct contact and, and the things that they're telling you to work on over the next month or two? Yeah, you know, that's what's, you know, that's what's so interesting about this last year, right? Like, you know, we did so well. Um, you know, we didn't have many mistakes. I wouldn't say, you know, I definitely have weaknesses, you know, no doubt. I definitely have so many things I need to work on. Is, is, is there specifics of, you know, things to point at? You know, I don't know if there is. And it, and it you know, I think really draws back to how this last season went, you know, when we dominate as well as we did. Uh, there's not things like, hey, he needs to get way better at this or that, you know. And I think um, once I get to the NFL, I go against some harder defenses. I start to have some adversity. You know, that's where you really start to, you know, filter through all those things that you think you need to work on. And so uh, right now I think I can get better in every aspect. I think I can be a more accurate thrower. I think I can improve my deep ball, my, my ability to lay over, uh, layer the ball over defenders, you know, every, everything in every aspect needs, needs to improve, but there's not, you know, one thing that, you know, teams are pointing at, um, you know, maybe besides my weight. <laughs> <laughs> Love the uh, honesty there. Is there a certain uh, weight they want you at for your height or, or, or anything like a certain amount of weight they want you to put on? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, typically you just want to have enough on to where, uh, you're going to be able to hang at the next level with some of these bigger guys. I mean, currently I'm sitting at like two fifteen, two sixteen, which, um, you know, everyone kind of lies a little bit on their, uh, their game day logs. Like I know, 
you know, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan's, I know those guys, you know, really aren't 220. Um, you know, they just say that. So, you know, I'm not far off. I want to be about 220, um, about 215. So I'm not far off from where I want to be. Uh, you know, but I got a bunch of massive alignments. So I don't think that helps in, in how big I look. And so hopefully I can show teams, you know, I'm not a, a, a tiny guy. So. All right, Zach, I want to finish with this because it, it happens every year. These new class of quarterbacks that come up, everyone wants to make a comparison to somebody that played before or is currently playing in the NFL. I've heard you compared to everyone from Aaron Rodgers and some dynamics in his game to Russell Wilson to Patrick Mahomes. How do you feel about those comparisons and who do you feel like you match up closest to? Yeah, I mean, those are all very generous uh, compliments. Those are the greatest uh, throwers around. Um, you know, personally, I don't like to compare myself to any of those guys. I can just kind of look at it like, you know, I'm, I'm Zach Wilson. You know, I throw how I throw, um, you know, I'm different than all of those guys. You know, there's maybe some similarities in there, but, um, you know, it's generous to be compared to those guys, but really, you know, I try and avoid, you know, comparing myself to anybody just cause I'm my, I'm my own, uh, I'm my own quarterback. So. And we know that you have better style though than Aaron Rodgers, right? We've, we've clarified that. <laughs> Yeah, he's a different generation. He's got like the old man style. Um, hey, but it's it's a swag. It's a swag for him. I know that. Yeah. He told me actually, uh, the one the single strap chin strap uh, gets the ladies. So I have to take note of that. And he's engaged now. So there you go. I yeah, love it. it. Obviously works. That's what you know. That's what got her. Zach's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, we look forward to doing this every week. And uh, again, we wish you the best. Stay healthy. Train well. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I really enjoy that conversation every week that we have with him. Yeah, our weekly uh, path to the draft for him, so it should be fun to see what happens. Uh, You know, Chris Sims this morning. Hey, numero uno, let's go. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. As promised, we roll out the new BYU spring football roster changes and other important things you need to know. This is the most random part of the show right now. Just Starting with notes. this, Mufi Hunt, the transfer from the University of Utah. Oh, he's going to have an impact on the D-line, Spence. Nope, he's going to play on the offensive line. Okay. What? Better fit, okay. Uh, Oliver Nasilai, who uh, I said uh, when he was signed, I said, viewer discretion advice, he is a violent yes. linebacker. He's playing running back as well. Oh, a violent I, running back as well? I like that. I can Tyler get on board for that. And Oliver Nasilai? Yeah, well, Tyler's called Psycho T, so what's Oliver's nickname going to be? <laughs> I, I don't, it might not be uh, friendly for the kids. Who knows? Another addition to the offensive line, Donovan Hanna. A kid that played for Max Hall at ALA Academy in the uh, Arizona area. Yeah, he's going from tight end to offensive line. It's not a big difference. It's just a few more cheeseburgers, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Dean Jones plays defensive back. Uh, He's a guy from ALA as well, Queen Creek. So the head coach of that team now is one tight end, and the offensive coordinator is one Max Hall, and the volunteer tight ends coach is one Dennis Pitta, who we don't have time for. BYU Sports Nation, I know you all love Jake Oldroyd. Jake the Make was back, had an all-American caliber year. But Cash Peterman is going to push Jake. He's back from his mission and ready to roll, and he's posting all these social media videos. Like, Cash Peterman, has the, he's got the swag and the confidence 
to eventually become BYU's kicker. This is going to be a fun buildup. Swag and kicker are not two phrases that often come together. Straight cash, homie. Straight, straight cash, homie. Uh, nice hand, Larry. <laughs> Caleb Christensen has uh, taken number four, Troy Warner's number. So kind of occupying that. So, sort of the Diane Gonwoloku frame, like a little shorter but stout and strong, good tackler. I like that. Chris yeah. Jackson has taken Dax Milne's number five. The vibe's there. I'm cool with that. Okay. Keanu Hill's still number one. I don't know why we have this note here. What's, because what's I, the note there? I think that Did most he, people he assume that Zach Wilson oh. is... Uh, right. He was 86. No, he, he was 86. Yeah. So he's a number one. Yes. And I guess replaces Zach Wilson at number one because of Keanu his Hill offensive player? intends on being a top five pick next year by taking the number one. <laughs> uh, Mason Fakahua mm-hmm. uh, moves from quarterback to running back. Shout out to Alema Harrington. And uh, Miles Davis stays a running yes. back and a trumpet player. Miles. Which is great. He was a receiver, but he did well in some garbage time yeah, last year. He's back. a sneaky potential contributor for this BYU running backs. Run. Right. Like the fight for number three will be interesting because you still have Hinkley Ropati at running back. Yes. You still have Jackson McChesney. Uh-huh. Right? But I don't think those guys are in spring. I think they're still hurt. And are there some Ever. other potential stars coming down the transfer portal pipeline, Jerome? Mm. That's I, always an option. I love me. An old school strong guy from the Bible. That's what I love. (laughs) (laughs) And his little brother, maybe? Okay. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We've been paying very close attention to not just Zach Wilson, but also the group of his teammates that have received NFL Combine invites. Six total for BYU this year, which is just unbelievable. And their season was unbelievable, so maybe uh, there's some correlation there. Jerem, yes. uh, compared to the Pac-12... BYU had the second most combine invites. Uh, USC, I think, had seven. They had the most. So does that mean BYU was the second most talented team if they were in a hypothetical Pac-12 last year? Yeah, you see uh, BYU tied with Oregon with six invitees, and then Stanford had five, despite not, you know, not being terribly good. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Talent's pretty subjective. Unless it isn't. So let's talk about where it's quantified, where talent is quantified. Recruiting rankings, typically doesn't do well there. Uh, NFL combine invites is one, as you mentioned, yet that's only those who are going to the NFL. So that does not typically include your freshmen, sophomores, and juniors that you know didn't declare, right? You have to play three years out of high school. Um, the other is NFL draft picks. The other is NFL roster guys, meaning undrafted guys. Fury has talent. Is it one of the most talented in the West with the Pac-12 and the Mountain West? Like, yeah, probably middle of the pack. What BYU does better, though, than a lot of schools is develop said player. Um, a lot of players in BYU history came in and were not heralded. Was Ty Detmer a five-star guy? No, he won the Heisman. Like, Dennis Pitta, who you know I uh, have rivalry with, walk on. Chad Lewis, walk on. Those guys were guys that... Helped get teams to Super Bowls. In Dennis's case, won one, right? Chad catches a game-winning pass in an NFC title game. So, like, Zach Wilson came in as a three-star. He's going to be a top-five pick. Um, BYU has good coaching. BYU has good enough facilities. And they have a great culture of hard work and development. That, to me, is awesome. Trust me, I want both 
talent and all the stuff I just listed. But uh, BYU does a really nice job of developing its players. Isn't it interesting how a phrase or a word can change the entire dynamic of when you're comparing one team to another or a conference to BYU? Because yeah, the talent, you look at what USC recruits on an annual basis and you're like, well, yeah, they should have seven combine invites when they have that many five-star and four-star players on a consistent basis. So for BYU to be a team that doesn't pull in a ton of four stars and rarely the five star, to have six, that, that, that is saying something to the development for sure and the staff and everything that went into uh, BYU's success last year. And they, they deserve to be commended for that. Um, what will be interesting to see is what BYU does moving forward. Uh, I mean, you put them in the Pac-12 last year, I think they probably win the Pac-12 they, with Zach Wilson and his meteoric rise. Like that, that was a really amazing BYU football team. But being the best team doesn't necessarily mean you have the most talent right. on your side. What does BYU bring back next year? Like I'll be interested to see what they, what they put in the NFL Combine next year. And, you know, just a few names off the top of my head that uh, I just jotted down. James Empey, Tyler Algier, Gunnar Romney, Chaz Ayu, Peyton Wilgar. If BYU could have three combine invites next year a season after they had six then then the cougars are headed in the right direction jaron because we're we've become accustomed to one and sometimes maybe no invites yep. in the combine coming from provo yes and listen that stuff matters and again this is a principle that just bugs me hey when something's negative or inconvenient we dismiss it or ignore it no 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 you embrace it and you change it and in the case of BYU football, I do feel like this year was an outlier in every way, shape, and form. Not only COVID, but like BYU didn't play any Power Fives, took advantage. That wasn't BYU's fault. Took advantage. Uh, when you win, you get noticed. That's not just Zach Wilson. That goes all the way down to Kairos Tonga. It's going to go all the way down to Troy Warner and Isaiah Kafusi getting a shot in, in camps with somebody, right? It, because those guys aren't likely to be drafted. Um, and it's, that's okay. But embrace it. And change it. So hopefully the next couple of years, like you said, hey, BYU's on the radar. And it's you can be on a bad team and still get drafted. Like Connecticut has produced NFL players. They're a terrible football program. But so so it's a somewhat individual thing. It's like cross country or golf. Like you play in this team context, but you're also trying to thrive individually later in, in football to get to the NFL. And and Michael Davis didn't even start a senior year, but he's still over Diane Gunwoloku and he's in the NFL. So BYU is getting NFL talent, continue to develop. If it doesn't come through the draft, that's okay. BYU has a bunch of undrafted guys. Look at Taysom Hill. Like Taysom, everybody knows Taysom Hill's name. Dude wasn't drafted, coming off a, a elbow injury. It's all good, man. It's all good. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problem. Now, ESPN NFL insider Field Yates tweeted out a stat that Zach Wilson has the best completion percentage of any FBS quarterback since 2012 for passes traveling 30-plus yards. 20 for 27. Jeremy, is this stat relevant, meaningful, draft-impacting, or is it just another stat. If you think no, you're, you don't get it. Uh, this is a fantastic stat, one of the best for Zach, because he throws an amazing deep ball, and guess what? 
In the NFL, it's about chucking it down the field, moving the chains, scoring touchdowns, offense. No, Zach Wilson is built for the NFL. Let's go. Field Yates wouldn't have tweeted it if it wasn't impactful and meaningful. This is a big play league. It is dominated by good quarterbacks. Absolutely, it's relevant. And that's why he's projected as the number two pick in the upcoming draft. Come on. The dude's name is Field. Come on, man. Colin Cowherd says Trevor Lawrence is a prodigy and Zach Wilson is a project. Is that closer to a prodigy or a project? If those are my only two options, I'm leaning closer to a prodigy based on what Chris Sims broke down and what we saw all season from Zach. We knew when he got healthy, he'd be great, but we didn't know that his health would lead to a prodigy type season. So, I mean, to a degree, every quarterback in the NFL coming out of college is is a project unless, I mean, you're just special, which is really hard to do. So Zach's still a little bit of a project, but I'd put him closer to a prodigy than just saying he's an absolute project. I don't know where he's a project. Like, you want him to play a lot of tougher games? Like, what are we talking about? He's a prodigy in the way he has developed as a quarterback over the last couple of years, and he's skyrocketed not because he's a project, but because he's polished. So, yeah, I, I think he's more prodigy than project, totally. The MLB on Fox tweeted out the following question with three very scenic pictures of ballparks, asking, which ballpark backdrop do you like best, skyline, water, or mountains slash hills. The first two picks are major league venues, Jerem. The mountain pick is Miller Park in Provo. So listen carefully. Is Miller Park your favorite place to watch a major league game? Well, that doesn't make any sense, but just a baseball game. (laughs) Uh, I do love T-Mobile Park in Seattle. It's right on the water. I think it's amazing. Um, I've been to about half the, the team's venues in major league baseball. It's been a fun journey so far. I'm trying to get to all of them. Miller Park's my number two. It's super high up. I absolutely love it. It's hard to beat the scenery. I do love my Mariners in Seattle. Yeah, I love Camden Yards. It's got an incredible backdrop. The brick building. Cal Ripken did so many magical things there. Why didn't they throw uh, a brick Park building in San into Diego. this? That's weird. Petco Park in San Diego is incredible as well. I love yeah. that skyline. But every time I call a game at Miller Park... I just soak in the scenery for, you know, at least 10 minutes before we really dive in to the bridge. Just sit down and just just look at the scenery. It's it's amazing. Yeah, the scenery can't beat it. If it's your favorite place to watch a game, different question. Okay, and finally, it's Daniel Sorensen's birthday. What are you getting him? Just any other former BYU teammate to join him on the Kansas City Chiefs, and there are a few options. Kyle Van Noy. Michael Davis, maybe one of those guys can make their way to Kansas City and join Andy Reid and Daniel Sorensen. So, yeah, happy birthday, Danny. Um, I'd like to give you some more BYU help on your team. As a guy who shaved his head, I'd give him some fresh clippers just to make sure he keeps it nice and tight on the side, and uh, that's the look, you know? (laughs) Okay. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.